Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriot Speed is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, everybody, welcome into another live edition of the Patriot Speed podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. I am Mike Cadlick, joined, as always, by 98.5 The Sports Hub's Alex Barth. Uh, nothing really to talk about in the Patriots world today. Kind of a slow news day, right? So we'll just, you know, get in so and get out five minutes. Yeah, you know, nothing crazy. Uh, kidding, obviously. Ton of news to get to. Um, a lot of reports lately about potential tension between uh, Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, potential trades, some refuting of stories. So uh, we'll get into all of it. We want to get right into it, but I first want to shout out our friends at FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. You get $200 in bonus bets. Uh, gambling is now live in mass. I've been all over it. Uh, national Championship last night. Hit a nice... Uh, Hit a nice little boosted parlay on FanDuel, UConn to win and to score over 70. So congrats to the Huskies. Shout out to Andrew Callahan, who has a show on here, Huskies fan. Uh, so do it, FanDuel.com slash Boston, you'll get all your bets in. So uh, that is that. They help us out, and you guys can help us out by uh, going to FanDuel.com slash Boston. Alex, let's get right into it. Reporting today comes out from our good friend, not really, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. He says... Bill Belichick has been shopping Mac Jones this offseason. I'll read the report verbatim. There's three reports I want to get to. I say what I'll do is set the stage, and then we'll get all into it, right? So yeah. uh, first things first, Florio comes in and says, Per a source with knowledge of the situation, Belichick has shopped Jones to multiple teams during the 2023 offseason. That list includes the Raiders, Texans, Bucks, and Commanders. Trade has not occurred yet. It doesn't mean it won't happen. And he also said the Raiders are the one to keep an eye on. About 30 seconds later, the Raiders signed Brian Hoyer. So that was ironic, right? right. Um, Doug Kide from A to Z Sports, uh, a little while after, takes Florio's report and basically uh, doubles down on it, says that the tension is real. Uh, he doesn't say that he heard anything about trades, but he says the tension is real. A few hours after that, Mass Live, Mark Daniels, uh, says that NFL sources told him they hadn't heard anything about the Patriots shopping Jones. Uh, said it's news to them. The source said that the Patriots, another source, excuse me, said the Patriots have not contacted the Bucks, And a third source says that the Patriots haven't contacted the Raiders either. So a lot of hoopla, a lot of noise. Um, you don't really hear this often around these Patriots. So what do you think of it all? Let's, let's get right into it. Let's chop it up. Do you not really hear it? Uh, you didn't years ago. Yeah. This is kind of par for the course now. It's, it's a soap opera. It's, it's as much a soap opera as it is football. None of the other 31 yeah. teams seem to operate this way. And I, I, I'll, I'll put this out here first because I'm going to say my part 
And yep. everybody's going to tell me, everybody's going to back and say, oh, I'm a Mac Jones apologist. Uh, he, he, I'm paid by Mac Jones. I only believe Mac Jones, blah, blah, whatever. What does he pay you? <laughs> uh, clearly enough, right? No, look, yeah. <laughs> clearly not enough because I'm about to say this. If you truly believe Mac Jones is the next quarterback of the Patriots or you truly believe that Mac Jones does not be- belong in the NFL, you are kidding yourself. If you have a strong opinion on Mac Jones, one way or the other, you just care about the narrative because the reality is we have not seen enough from this kid to know whether or not he's an NFL quarterback. They took him 15th overall, which is a significant investment. He had, people will throw the end of the season at me, he had what is overall a good rookie year. Most rookies would like to have that season, even with the little downtick at the end. And then last year, he was in a situation that nobody would have succeeded in. It got kind of lost in all of this today, Mike. You mentioned Brian Hoyer signing with the Raiders. Tom Curran, there was a report from Tom Curran, I forget if it was over the weekend or Monday morning, that the reason Brian Hoyer is no longer with the Patriots is because of what a mess it was with the coaching staff last year. This is Brian Hoyer, whose family lives here, who has signed here three times. Last time he was here, said he had no interest in playing for another franchise. Now he is. And there's a common theme here. Brian Hoyer said he had no interest in playing for another franchise. Something happened in 2022, and now he's playing for the Raiders. Mac Jones was a promising rookie. Bill Belichick spoke highly of him. Something happened in 2022. And now all of a sudden we're selling low on the guy. What happened in 2022? My, it's the the um, what's his name? The uh, the uh, ESPN guy, Winhorst. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I wonder what, what happened, happened in 2022. Yeah. Right, exactly. Thank Why is you. this happening? So, look, I I just think with last year you can't fully evaluate him, good or bad. Right. You can't, and you bring Bill O'Brien in here as a guy who specifically should cater an offense to Mac Jones. Robert Kraft has spoken highly of him, yet we still have these trade rumors out there because since the end of last season, the Patriots have done everything they possibly can to throw Mac Jones off track. And I don't, you know, to throw their young quarterback off track. Because when I say it like Mac Jones, it, it gets people a certain way. This is the kind of thing that we used to make fun of the Jets for, the -hmm. Browns for, the Bills, the Bears, all these teams that went decades without quarterbacks. Things like this. And then some, because none of them made a defensive coordinator the offensive coordinator. When you draft a quarterback in the first round like the Patriots did, the blueprint, and it doesn't have to go this way, and it can't go this way for every team that drafts a quarterback in the first round. But the blueprint is supposed to be year one, Figure out is make sure he's an NFL quarterback, right? Did you get did you get a guy, a guy who could be a guy, not the guy, but a guy? And I would say they checked that box in 2021. Yep. Second year, can you make the playoffs? Can you just all right? You you know you have the guy. Now you invest some pieces around him because you know you got that box checked. Here we go, right? And then in the third, the third year, can you win a playoff game? Can you win the division? Can you get a home playoff game? And then the fourth and fifth years with that with that quarterback on the rookie contract, that's that's your real yep, championship that's window. Land. That's right. Yep, that's like all right. Here we go. 
you know, we fully built around this guy. We invested a ton of money in our roster with the cheap, you know, the, the, the cheap contract's going to run out soon. We got to, we got to win here. That's what it's supposed to look like. The Patriots checked years one and two in year one. They were actually ahead of schedule with Mac Jones. Think about that. Yep. They were ahead of schedule with Mac Jones. And they've undone it all in about 10 months. And again, you know, there's people saying, is, is Florio right? Is he not? I, Mark Daniels does a very good job. Uh, yep. I don't think Mark Daniels would say something that he didn't hear. So Agreed. But whether it's out there or not, the story of the, the fact that it can even be put out there. 100%. A year, <laughs> a year after you made the playoffs with the rookie quarterback, which I don't think people realize how rare that is. And there's a couple things here. I don't think people realize the extent to which this goes. The real story is a year after making the playoffs with a rookie quarterback, and that's not to say the rookie quarterback made the playoffs, but Mike, it is really hard to make the playoffs with the rookie quarterback. It's about the entire roster and the coaching staff and all of it. A year after making the playoffs with a rookie quarterback, the Patriots aren't just looking to trade that rookie quarterback, former rookie quarterback, and sell low on him. Mike, trading Mac Jones at this point is blowing it up. Right. Unless they're going to go And you didn't even sell low. high on the guy. You're selling right. low as can be. On now, look, it, it, it's one thing if it's like, hey, they're like almost there with Lamar, but they have to trade Mac to make it work. That's one thing. Right. That's not what this is. If it's Lamar, if it's Aaron Rodgers, fine. I don't think any of those options are on the table anymore. If you're trading Mac out of spite with no like no replacement players, just we need this kid off our roster, you're hitting the reset button. I've said this before. All those guys that are on one- and two-year contracts, Kyle Duggar, Matthew Judon, Josh Uche, Ramondre Stevenson, they're all now expendable because you have to reset that window. Now you have to go get a quarterback again because I'm sorry, it's not Bailey Zappi. Right. Or, look, it might be Bailey Zappi, but there's I, as Zappi much or better of a chance. Year, but yeah. There's as much or better of a chance as Mac Jones. But Bill can't get over the fact that Mac didn't like the coaching, and maybe he called around to other coaches. The issue there isn't Mac, though, Bill. The issue is why did Mac Jones feel he had to go outside the building and get those answers? Because they didn't exist inside the building. So, again, to go back to the point, a year after making the playoffs with a rookie quarterback, they are ready to go back into the quarterback carousel and hit the reset button. That's not how this is supposed to go. That's a major indictment on the organization on, on just organizational decision-making. If you have to do that during the season, I said it, Alex, about the decision that Belichick made to hand the play sheet to Matt Patricia, the butterfly effect that has come with that continues to make it the single worst coaching decision he has ever made. I had this thought earlier today, Mike, all of this. So Josh McDaniels could go ruin the Raiders. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I mean, Again, you had it in-house, right? Mac's first year, rookie contract, the whole thing you just mentioned. Josh leaves, as he should. He deserved a chance at another coach. Oh, yeah, no, it's not Josh McDaniel's fault. I just thought it was No, I know. But so my point, though, you lose Josh, and then you don't replace him with anything. You go to your friend, you hand him a play sheet, and you say, figure this out with a second-year quarterback who still needs grooming in the NFL. Blasphemy. And it's tumbled into all of this, and now we're sitting here on April 4th, 2023, talking about how Bill's mad that Mac went out of house. That that was a report as well. Mac, like we said, Mac was or Mac went out, talked to some Alabama coaches, 
for help on the offense because it made no sense and everybody knew it. And Bill is still mad about that. And that's how I thought of it again, too, as you said, if they're just going to trade Mac out of spite because Bill doesn't right. like him now. This that's is just not absurd. Yeah. And I honestly, I think uh, Clarence Hill, who covers the Cowboys, I yeah. want to say for ESPN, I, I don't remember who, but I think you're right. uh, he, 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 I thought made the best point. Somebody tweeted the, the quote that Bill Belichick is really pissed off at Mac Jones for seeking outside help. Clarence Hill on Twitter. He should have been pissed off at the guy who put Matt Patricia in charge of the offense and Joe Judge in charge of the QBs, right? right. Now, look, and, and I I, I want to make this point because I think people are going to mishear this, and some of you are just going to mishear it because you want to be mad. But there is a difference between and, – and, okay, for what I believe on all – and this is not inside information. This is not me saying I believe as in I've been told. This is just me trying to put all the pieces together. I don't – Wendy. <laughs> right. I, I – I don't think Bill Belichick was like calling the Raiders and calling the Bucks and saying, you got to take Mac Jones off my hands. I don't, frankly, I don't think Robert Kraft would allow it because it's really not a great look for him to praise Mac as much as he has this off season. And then the team trades him. And there was the, the, the quote from Tom Curran at the beginning of the off season. Remember would Mac Jones get traded over Robert Kraft's dead body? Yep. That being said, if Bill Belichick had the chance to move Mac without a plan B, I don't necessarily think he'd be upset about that. That's right. my thought. But the other thing That's, I want to hammer home is okay, go. there is a difference between moving on from Mac Jones for Lamar Jackson or moving on from Mac Jones for Aaron Rodgers or even moving on from Mac Jones for Anthony Richardson or Bryce Young and moving on from Mac Jones full stop. Because right. this is this is the whole thing we did with Brady, right? How do you move on from the quarterback when you don't have a plan in place to replace him? We shredded Bill for this in in 2019, 2020, right? Yep. But now all of a sudden, because some people think Mac Jones is icky, it's the right thing to do. Just get him off the team. Just get him off the team and figure it out after that. Getting rid of Mac Jones, full stop, does not make the team better. It doesn't. Right. If it's we're trading Mac Jones because we need to trade him to acquire a first-round pick that we can send to the Ravens to get Lamar Jackson, that's different because right. there's a plan there. Yeah. If like, it's a spite thing, that's that's going to go down and, as the second maybe, worst coaching decision. Maybe that's maybe that's a little strong, but it's really just trading Mac Jones with no next move in the chamber, right? Is where it's like, all right, well then, what exactly is the goal here? Because you're going to have a what's going to be a second reset season in three years. Twenty twenty was a reset season, and look, they needed it. Most teams need a reset season every once in a while. The Patriots were the anomaly in that. They needed a reset season 2020. Yeah. They took one, took a shot in the dark with Cam Newton. It didn't work out. Put them in position, draft Mac Jones. That's kind of, it's not great, but that's kind of what you have to do sometimes. They did that. Great. Then they drafted the guy and, and he got them to the playoffs and all that. You shouldn't be going back to square one now, a year after right. you got to the playoffs with the guy. 100%. And especially. Unless you think something, right. So, Going like getting Lamar, it's not going back to square one, obviously. Right, right. So that, that's, that's, that's why something else better is out there. Yeah, right, right. Um, as far as mending the fence on these two reports, here's kind of my take on it. Um, yeah, because I, you know, people on Twitter all day today said you can't trust Florio, Florio makes stuff up. I'm not in that in that class. I, I tend to believe Mike Florio when he talks. 
He's been around the league a while. He started as an agent guy. He's plugged in. Have things been fabricated in the past potentially? But for example, last year when everyone told Florio he was he was off his rocker with the Miami Dolphins Brady thing, he hit the whole thing nail on the head, and everyone kind of was like, "Oh, okay." So having said that, do I think that there had been trade talks between the Patriots and the Raiders, and the Patriots and the Texans, and the Te- Patriots and the Bucks and the Commanders? I do. I think Mac Jones' name came up in those trade talks. Mark Daniels reports that the Patriots didn't call. The Patriots didn't call. And this is where this might get a little tinfoil hatty, but no, but that's what this is. It's semantics. Exactly. So before these teams aren't going to say that, oh, no, we called on Mac Jones. But if they did call the Patriots when when the Raiders were looking at Jimmy and when the Bucks were looking at Baker and in the process, they also they called New England, not New England called them. And Belichick said, oh, yeah, Mac's available for the right price. That's floating Mac. That's shopping Mac without the Patriots calling them. So that's what I think happened here. His teams called about Mac. Bill said, yes, he's available. And that's how both of these guys are right. Something happened. This did not just come out of thin air. This is not just um, Florio saying, yes, it happened. Mark saying, no, it didn't. And neither guys have anything. This, this is real. Something's surrounding this. Is it still going on? I don't know. Because, like I said, the Raiders picked up Jimmy. The Bucks now have Baker. The Texans have the second pick. They might be looking for a bridge guy there. Who knows? Uh, and then Washington's a wild card. But the other thing is with, you know, the Patriots didn't pick up the phone, right, in the semantics deal. And I believe, like you said, we believe what Mark said. Mark said the right – heard what – excuse me. Mark wrote what he said. He's not just, you know, he's not fibbing out here. Right. But it's Jason Light in Tampa. It's Casario in Houston. And it's Ziegler and McDaniels in Vegas. They're on the phone back and forth all the time. They stay connected. So – whether they called or whether he called, it doesn't really matter. And I still think ultimately Max Max name was in those talks and somehow, some way it gets out to Florio and then it becomes a bigger story than it is, I guess. So that's my take on it. I think it's out there. Is it still happening? Who knows? I guess we'll see what happens. But these things aren't just completely concocted out of thin air. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, um, it obviously it, it comes from somewhere. But like you said, there's, there's layers of semantics in all of this always. Right. But I just, I, I think just the fact we're here. The right. fact that's, that that's the overlying that, that that we could get even if Florio dressed it up, the fact that we can get we got close enough that he could dress this up and put it out there Bingo. is enough of a red flag for me to begin with. Like at that point, you've lost me. Right. So I guess speaking of semantics and we'll semantics, right? And we'll touch on this and then we'll we'll start a little bit of QA. We can still touch on this a little bit more too. That's probably what the majority of the QA is gonna be. We didn't really talk about it much from last week, um, but at the owners' meetings, and this whole timeline has been crazy. If you think owners' meetings from last week to now, right? Lamar comes up. Right. Belichick doesn't name Mac the starter. This is another semantics thing, but I want to get your take on it. Because they asked Belichick if Mac Jones is the starter, if it's going to be a competition. And Bill said he doesn't, doesn't call him by name. Everyone looks into that. And he doesn't name Mac the starter. Everyone looks into that. My opinion on this is that Belichick just doesn't want to get into it and he doesn't want to leave any stone unturned. So he just said, everyone's going to have a chance to play. And that's, that's that. And people kind of freaked out about it, but I think there was nothing to it. Do you think Belichick not naming Mac the starter has anything to do with this now? Or do you think they're two separate things and it was just Belichick not trying to feed into the narrative? Well, I, I mean, I don't think it's him not naming Mac the starter because he thinks he's going to trade him. But he, again, it goes back to that point that they seem to want to push Mac Jones buttons as much as possible. 
And I think it was just another example of I'm going to needle this kid. I'm going to poke him in the rib cage and just get under his skin. And look, I get wanting. You Does know, he battle. think this is like a good thing? Like, do you think he thinks Mac does well under this type of pressure? I, or do you he, think I, he just doesn't like Mac? Because I, what? either way, it's it doesn't make sense to me. It just does not make sense. I don't know anymore. Like, look, it's one thing to, to say you want mentally tough you know, players and I'm all for right. that. You want to test guys. That's why they run the Hills during camp. But when we say we want a mentally tough quarterback, when we say we want a quarterback and come over, overcome adversity, we mean in, in terms of adversity, we're talking about like an unblocked pass rusher in his face, not <laughs> yeah. his entire organization trying to self-sabotage him. Right. So yeah. And like you floating know, his name into thin air and being like, oh, it's not me. I don't know. It's, where that it's from. like, look, I get, he's never been one outside of few exceptions, very few exceptions. He's not one to hype up his own players while they play for him. He'll do it after their career, right? right. He'll he'll reminisce on them. But, I mean, it's never been Bill's MO to be like, oh, yeah, this guy's good. This guy's great. Like, it, on, on one hand, that's always been him. On the other hand, he was complimentary of Mac at this time last year. <laughs> right. So, I, I, he's mad at him or something. I, it's, it's just a mess. It's just a complete mess. And... You, you hope they can get by it. Now, look, I was on with Ted Johnson on Sunday on the Sunday football show on 98.5. Uh, people can check out that podcast on the podcast of that episode on 98.5thesportsup.com. And Ted said something I thought was a very good point. You know, that if the Patriots are going to really do something this year, they have to, uh, Bill and Mac have to mend the bridge between each other. And yep. just like, I think that's true. I don't necessarily think it's, I didn't think. It's a kumbaya, like when people hear mend the bridge, they think it's a kumbaya moment where you come together and you you talk through your feelings, right? And all that. I don't necessarily think it needs to be to that extent. I just think you need to put him in a position to succeed on the football field. Winning cures all, right? Yep. Go get him a real coach, which they did. That should have been the olive branch. It's Bill O'Brien. Go get him a real coach. Go get him a receiver. Go get him some tackles. But now, like, again, he just, they, he keeps adding layers to it. Uh, it right, like. Excuse me. Right. The layers that keep getting added onto this seem so odd because you bring in O'Brien and you bring in guys that fit a system that Mac Jones would be able to successfully run. And for years, there were no leaks. There was no speculation. This type of stuff, we weren't having these type of discussions when Tom Brady was here, when quarterback was locked down, squared away. Really? We were at the end. Maybe towards no, the end. This, right. we were, trust me, this all feels very familiar to me. And if you've been following CLNS for a long time, you know how I felt about covering it then. I'm Fair. feeling the same way again. Um, you don't like the drama? <laughs> look, if I wanted to cover who likes who and who doesn't like who and who's saying what about who behind who's back, uh, I'd go write about e-entertainment. I'd go write about the Kardashians. It's not why I'm here. But, and yeah. again, it's again, it's part of the thing where like Brady left, that was supposed to be over. I understand right. you work 20 years together. There's going to be some deep relationships. There's going to be things that are well under the surface and start bubbling up. But two years in, mm. and we're already doing this again? Yep. Shows how important Brady was. Yep. Um, well, that's that. Let's, uh, let's get to what you like, and that's draft talk. Uh, the Patriots uh, last week, this weekend really, tied to three wide receivers, arguably the top three out of the top four wide receivers in the draft. Boston College is Zay Flowers. He was the number one pick in our mock draft last Thursday. He is visiting with New England tomorrow. 
Jordan Addison, one on the Rich Eisen show, said he had a, a visit scheduled for the Patriots this week. Not sure exactly when that was. I think it's um, Wednesday as well. Wednesday, okay. Yeah. Then Ohio State, Jackson Smith and Jigma. He was in Boston last night watching his brother play for the Pirates out of Fenway Park. Um, and Doug Codd also reported that Smith and Jigma wasn't meeting with them while he was here, but he had a meeting with them at the Combine, and he had either another one scheduled or had also met with them extensively along with He met with them at his pro day was the other one. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, look, I, I know we talk about those three tent poles, three pillars, tackle, corner, wide receiver. They're doing their job. They're they're doing their research on everyone, obviously, but a lot of traction around these top guys. So what do you make of it? Well, I, I hate to pour water on it, but I'll start with this. Of the reported meetings last year, and there were about 40 uh, reported pre-draft meetings the Patriots had, they drafted three players, Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, and uh, Chasen Hines. So now, so people will see that and say, well, they don't draft anybody they meet with it's an imperfect science because they may have met with other guys and it just never got reported. Right. So, and people ask me like, I just want to start with that. Cause people ask me that all the time. Anytime I say that there was a meeting, people say, well, how many meeting guys they draft with? We don't really know, but it's one of two things, which are kind of opposites. Either a, uh, they don't draft guys they meet with or B they do a much better job of keeping the meeting secret about the guys they want to draft, right? Yeah, but they're no, not doing good at keeping things tight to the chest these days. So that is also true. That is also <laughs> yeah, true. Um, a lot of down in Foxborough nowadays. So you know they've met with all the top receivers. They met with most of the top corners, and they've met with all the top tackles. Yeah. So I, it feels like this year's maybe different, right? Feels yep. like this year's year's maybe different. As, as for the receivers they're meeting with, you know, individually, and they've met with all top four now. I don't remember. Did you say Quentin Johnson? They met with him as well. Um, yeah, they did. At the Combine. So it's one with him. They only have one meeting on the books with Zay, but it's like the Shrine Bowl doesn't count as a meeting, but he was with them all week. Yeah, that's right? they were at his. They worked with him, yeah. Right, and they were at his pro day, so, like, they're definitely very familiar with him. And we've now got multiple meetings with Jordan Addison and multiple meetings with Jackson Smith and Jigba that we know about. I still think, all things considered, Zay Flowers probably the best fit for yeah. what they need, what they should be looking for in the offense. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba, like if we were going to rate them out of 100, right, Madden rating, right now I think in Jigba's, Smith and Jigba's probably a little higher rated, a little bit, but yeah. I think the fit with Zay Flowers is enough to kind of close that gap. And I, you know, we talk about overlap a lot. You can put Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker, Jordan Addison on the field and pretty, uh, not Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers on the field and pretty much have everything covered. You need to have yeah. it covered. So I I, I still lean Zay. Um, the other thing is they can kind of meet with him more under the radar because he's here, he's local. That helps. Right. Um, but, you know, when it comes to receivers, I still think Zay, I still don't think they're taking a receiver in the first round. I think it's going to be corner tackle. Okay. I, I if they're going to use that 14th pick on a receiver, I think they ultimately just use it on Jerry Judy. But it is interesting. They've met with all these guys and, and um, Zay was kind of the last one to officially check that box, but can now say they've met with all the top four receivers. That's the fascinating part that I'm still waiting on it with the NFL draft. And, you know, this is really going to all unfold in the next few weeks because that 14 pick, you can easily flip it for a guy like Judy, like you said. That continues to kind of go by the wayside because we're, you know, we're getting farther from the draft. It gets brought up and whatnot. But 
Um, I do want to tie in some sports gambling to this because we're now allowed to talk about FanDuel. Uh, we're allowed to open open air sports gambling on YouTube. It's great. Um, let's talk about the odds on what the Patriots' first player, first drafted position will be. Alex, you know how odds work, right? You know, now, now that yeah. you're in the gambling space, you understand it. So uh, first is well, offensive uh, Based on my uh, success, based on my results, I don't know that I understand it. but anyway. Right, but you under, you understand how yeah. the listing yeah. works, right? Yeah. So O-line, O-line is plus 200 as the favorite. Cornerback is plus 260. Wide receiver is plus 380. D-line is plus 1,000. Yeah. Safety, 1,200. Quarterback has now jumped up to 1,200. Uh, tight end plus sixteen hundred, linebacker twenty to one, and running back twenty nine to one. Um, so it's clear that those three tent poles: O line plus two hundred, cornerback plus two sixty, wide receiver plus three eighty. A couple weeks ago, I took plus six hundred on cornerback. The value has shot up since then. Um, I guess wh- what's your pick? What, wh- if you had to, you know, gambling wise, value and all that. O line the favorite at two to one, corner plus two sixty, wide receiver at three eighty. What would you do? Defensive line is 10 to 1, too. So, yeah, I just going off their trends. So, how does yeah. this work if they trade down? Is it just the first player they draft, no matter what? Uh, it is position of New England's first player drafted, yes. Okay. So, wherever. No okay. What. Yep. Just speaking on, like, just speaking on fourth, uh, on, on 14, all the historical trends tell us line minutes. Their biggest position of need right now on the depth chart. Uh, they generally don't want to take a look at it here. Yeah. They generally don't draft cornerbacks this high, as I think has been, you know, put out there. Devin McCourty was their highest draft pick at corner. I believe he was like 20th, and he obviously became a safety a few years later. Just the, the, the tackles that are available are all big fits for them. Uh, if they trade down, I think it – and obviously can't place the – well, I guess you could place the bet when they trade down, but the odds change. Right. If they trade down, I think corner becomes more likely because they are more comfortable with defensive backs there later in the first round. But I, I still think tackle. I still think the trends tell us tackle. Yeah, uh, I still like put it this way. I like the value I got at corner at six to one. Now that it's plus two sixty, um, I don't hate wide receiver here at plus three eighty either. I don't know. I just with all these meetings, I know, like you said, it's the it's the meetings. You can't tell much, but. The other one I look at now, and we talked about it here before, last on the list is running back at 29 to 1. And just from a value standpoint at plus 20, 2,900, I've seen it mocked in too many places where the Patriots either just take Bijan Robinson at 14, or they trade down and take Bijan, or they trade down and take Gibbs. So you're backing on a trade down. I, that seems like a decent that. value pick, though, if you go 29 to 1 on running back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean they're not taking a running back at fourteen. I like, know, yeah, but I know. it's look. I I I I bet on uh, Tiger Woods and Albatross at the Masters because I let's go. Know, it's a dollar and yeah, exactly. Pay rent. So yeah. no, I I I know what you're talking about there, but I mean I really think it's between cornerback and offensive lineman right now. You know, maybe yeah. things change because again, I, like I said before, if they use fourteen on a receiver, I think it ultimately ends up being Jerry Judy. And right. he wouldn't qualify for this, right? So then it becomes, well, what are they doing with that 46 pick? What are they doing with the second True. pick? And then I think it becomes even stronger offensive linemen because they're clearly investing heavily in the offense. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, if I had to pick a sleeper, I'd go, I guess, defensive line. I, I, some of it, I guess, would depend on how they qualify certain players, right? Because right. 
Some people call Miles Murphy a defensive end. Some people call him an outside linebacker, Lucas Van Ness. Some people would call him a defensive end. Some people would call him an outside linebacker. So then you get into that thing. Like that's my sleeper as an edge guy, but you can't, you can't bet. Like you can't really bet that here. That's true. Yeah. I don't know if maybe they qualify somewhere else. If FanDuel qualifies what position certain players are, but uh, yeah. Sediment will be based off positional classifications on NFL.com. As per our rules, players listed as edge will be classified as defensive linemen for settlement purposes. So, all right. So I defensive linemen to me would be the, would be the sleeper yeah. pick, the value pick yeah. here. That right. answers the question. There we go. Yes. Figured we go. They, all right. I figured they, they usually have, yeah, they're very good at having every scenario. covered. I figured covered. the right. answer was in there somewhere. Yes. Um, all right, that's that. That's our little our little gambling nugget there uh, to tie it into the draft. So uh, we're about 33 minutes in. We got a little time here left. So let's take Q&A. If you guys want to fill up the chat, ask us any questions. We'll take about a half hour and answer as many as we can. Uh, a lot of stuff obviously surrounding the news from the Patriots today. So ask away and we'll get to as many as possible. Um, we do need a second, so I'll pull this up. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So sick of me. I'm doing it. Thanks for thanks for putting your name, my name in your mouth. Appreciate it. Let's thanks go. for watching. Um, yeah, exactly. You're tuning in. You're one of you're one of many. So we appreciate you. Um, uh, what else we got here? Yeah. Uh, it's not really a question, but we can bring this up. A player we both really like here, Mike. By uh, oh, yeah. this, this account says, by the way, I'm all in, all caps, all in on Darnell Washington. Now we got to get that guy. Yeah. I, I've said it before, and, and but you know what? Like the more I think about it, the more I I realize this is like a thing. If they go tight end in the first two days, it's got to be him. It's got to right. be him, one way or the other. Yeah, because because he adds the blocking. Right. Well, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Their top 100 picks need to be guys that make an impact in 2023. They don't have the luxury of project players early in the draft. Darnell Washington's the only tight end that's going to make an impact this year. And I think he'll actually make a good one. I actually think he's the kind of player they could really use. So, right. I, I, I don't know about like making him the first pick, even if you trade down, I love the idea of a Barmore thing where maybe you trade, even if you trade down in the first, you trade up in the second, go try to grab him there in the late thirties. Cause I think right. that's probably about where he goes, but yeah, I do like, um, I, I, I do like Darnell Washington for the Patriots. I, I don't know that they have to get him. There's very few players I'll ever say the draft is a failure if the Patriots don't get. Uh, but he's up there. I think if they walk away with him, you call that a very good pick. I, I agree. I think he adds the receiving element. He obviously ran fast, much faster at the combine than we thought he would. Uh, he's the best blocking tight end in the class. And so, yeah, I think that would be a slam dunk if they can get him, whether it's 46 or with a trade-up. I think he fits great into into the system. Um, here's a good one. Look, it's O'Brien's job anyway. The question is, is O'Brien actually taking this job if Mac's not playing? Um, look, his contract signed. He's here. So I don't think that's that can change. That's not contingent on his contract or whatever. But it's kind of a good point, right? I assume Bill O'Brien is here with the intention of coaching Mac Jones. I think he likes Mac. I think they know that they can work well together. Um, that being said... If they can get a Lamar Jackson or if they can get a quarterback that's better than Mac Jones, then Bill O'Brien's going to be all over coaching a player that's better than Mac. But right. if it's Mac Jones gone and Zappy or a developmental guy that they want to try and work with, I could see O'Brien being pretty ticked off on that. 
uh, I would think if they trade Mac Jones without a plan, Bill O'Brien's going to be very unhappy because the important right. thing to remember here, and I've said this before, Bill O'Brien's here for a good time, not a long time. He wants to go be a head coach, whether that right. be in the NFL or in college, but he needs to succeed this year. Like he's not in this for long haul and developing a young quarterback who is there's uncertainty with, and there is more uncertainty with Bailey Zappi than Mac Jones a ton, even if that's the way we're going to go. Uh, that's not a good way to go get another job. Now, like you said, if it's Lamar Jackson, that's a lot easier, but right. I don't, I don't think he would like quit if they traded Mac Jones, yeah. but it, that's going to be a really tough question for Bill Belichick to answer when Bill O'Brien goes to him and says, why did you trade my quarterback? Or who's right. my quarterback? Going? All right. You traded Mac. Who is my quarterback going to be? Yeah, I agree. Um, I just I, I I can't imagine that. And again, Bill has done some crazy things this offseason, right? But I can't imagine that you know when they had those extensive, you know, the the meetings were reportedly hours on end in their offensive offensive coordinator uh, interviews that they didn't clearly outline what was going to happen at quarterback and whether that was, hey, Mac's going to be here and it's going to obviously piss him off, or look, we're not sold on Mac. We may try and you know X, Y, and Z this thing. I'm sure O'Brien is in the loop, and if he's not, that's just adds right. another layer to this disaster. Yeah, um, well, I, yeah, yeah. Trade talk. Let's talk Mac trades because why not, right? Trey Lance and the Niners' second round pick for Mac Jones. Do the Patriots do it? What are your thoughts? I don't know. Ah, uh, that's a, that's an interesting one. The second round pick makes it interesting. I'm not doing Trey for Max straight. Right. I'm not doing Trey for Max straight up. And I think there would be concerns about the injury uh, history of Trey Lance. He's still really like raw. He barely played in college. He's now sat out basically two years. Right. I, again, Mac Jones is a safer bet. Maybe the ceiling's not as high, but they need a safe bet right now. They need some sort of stability at that position. And I just don't think Lance gives you the stability. The, the added second doesn't do much to change that, right? It's not that added second is going to help you go get one of the, the way I say it, there's three potential franchise quarterbacks in this draft. The Patriots can't trade high enough to get any of them because they're going, if not one, two and three, one, two and four. Right. So it's just, I, I, you're, you're back in the same spot or worse. You have a major question mark at quarterback and I would rather have the guy in Mac Jones who was at least one in this league before. Niners would win the Super Bowl with Mac Jones. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, they that's the that's the system the Patriots should try yeah. to be emulating if this is the way they're going to treat quarterbacks. Because it's not a it's not necessarily about Mac Jones that the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl. He's good enough, but that's there's just so much talent on the field, and the system is so hard to defend with all that talent that. Yeah, you just need a guy who's going to go out there and not make mistakes. And when Mac Jones is playing his game, when he's in like his offense, not Matt Patricia's ridiculous offense, that's a big part of his game. He doesn't make mistakes. So, yeah, they would at least contend for it. They'd at least get close. I, I truly look how close they got with Brock Purdy. Mac's better than right. Brock Purdy. Look how close they, they got with Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> and Mac's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, you're right. Correct. <laughs> so, now how much better is he? I, it might not be much, but he's better. So, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, I just had one that I want to answer and then I'll let you answer. Is Zay the number one wide receiver in the class? In my opinion, he has, he has turned into the number one wide receiver. I think that, you know, we've talked about these tiers before, right? The top tier, 
originally, I would say, was, you know, Quentin Johnson, JSN, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison. I think Addison has fallen out of that top tier uh, with his slow testing and uh, times, etc. Quentin Johnson, Quentin Johnson just seems like the guy who everyone thinks is probably going to be a bust, even though he's also a consensus, like, top 10 pick. So it's kind of funky, and I'm curious to see what happens with him. But at the end of the day, after continuing to watch more film on Zay, seeing his testing numbers, uh, watching what he did at BC when A, Dracovic was hurt, or B, just not that good, he was getting open all the time, wide, wide ass open, and quarterback just wasn't hitting him. So he is the best route runner in the class. I think he's better than JSN. He also doesn't play as much in the slot as I originally thought. He can really move all over the formation. People call me crazy, but I think his ceiling is in Antonio Brown, and that's a ceiling. It's not saying it's a projection. If he gets to his peak, he can be really damn good in this league. So I think Zay is the number one wide receiver in the class. I um I still think it's JSN. Okay. I just think that his game, first of all, he's got more tape against higher level higher level competition. And I think there's things he does that just translate to the NFL, like right there. Like I think the adjustment yeah. for him is going to be significantly less than it will be for a guy like Zay Flowers. So I, I have Zay number two. Uh, but I mean, like I said before, I think the gap's close enough that you can sort of break it down to team fit. And I think Zay's a better fit for the Patriots right now. But if I'm just, and this is why general rankings are stupid because there's some players that make more sense for one team and others who make sense for others. Um, if I'm doing like a general rankings, again, if I'm ranking the players out of a hundred, I'm taking JSN, but I think Zay's close and I think he should be higher on the Patriots board. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to DeAndre Hopkins talk. Because question is, how about Hopkins? Are we in or out? Some more news came out on Hopkins, and it was from Albert Breer, and he said that uh, the Patriots would, or not the, the Patriots, but the Cardinals um, could potentially release DeAndre Hopkins if they can't find a trade partner. So that opens up a whole nother can of worms because I guess the reporting has been back and forth on Patriots and Hopkins. Originally they were in, then they were out. The Bill O'Brien relationship didn't matter. Now it might, but then it came out, like I said. Cardinals might release him and that the Patriots would be interested if they don't have to give up draft draft capital for him. So I guess, are you in or out? And what do you make of him getting released by Arizona? Does that change anything more about the Patriots and Hopkins or is that ship kind of sailed? I think if he gets released, it becomes way much more realistic option because from everything, yeah. it, you know, it sounds like Patriots don't want to part with the draft capital. Right. So, you know, we had talked about him and Beckham. Remember we had that conversation. Would you rather trade something for Hopkins, sign Beckham, and I'd right. say, well, I'd rather sign Beckham because it's close enough. You don't have to give up the draft capital. If Hopkins is going to be a free agent and you don't have to pay him on that contract or whatever, I'd sign him. Now, the problem is now you're competing with teams who maybe couldn't have traded for him because they right. didn't have the assets or the cap space. Contending teams like the Chiefs, like the Bills, uh, who are going to offer him a chance to win. And he's never really had that in his career. Right. So I think it makes the Patriots more interested. I think it makes it more likely the Patriots pursue him. At the same time, I also think it makes it harder for the Patriots to get him if he's released. So it's kind of a uh, glass half full, glass half empty. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, just one last thought and you can go to the yeah. next one. Um, yeah. it, it's kind of, it's similar to what you just said, right? But if you can outbid teams now, you're going to have a better chance where I think, and I, I talked about this last night on 98.5 with Joe Mari when I went on there, you got to kind of like, you're going to have to buy him if you're the Patriots because he's going to go to, Can I think it's Kansas city at the end of the day. If he gets released, I think he goes to KC. KC has like no receivers. They just lost Juju. They only have Mar Marquez Valdez Scantling right now. He becomes their wide receiver one, him and Kelsey, I guess. But where did, um, um 
Why, why am I I'm, – I'm not only blanking on where he signed. I'm blanking on his name. Where did Michael Hardman sign? Oh, the Jets, right? The Jets, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's so right. it's 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 Sky Moore and uh, MVS, and then yeah. they have no one really at wide receiver. So I think that would be a fit, but continue. Definitely. Uh, all right. How about this one? Uh, how do we feel about Emmanuel Forbes at 14? I think they are going to really like Emmanuel Forbes. He tested super well at the combine. He had a ton of on-ball production, 14 picks in three years. Yep. I think we took him in our mock, right? In our last mock yeah. last week, I believe. Uh, I, there's going to be so many good corners on the board of 14, though, because I do worry about he is very ball hockey. He's not a lockdown corner. He's a ball hawk corner. Yep. What's the difference? Uh, Stefan Gilmore's lockdown, and that's gaudy, but Stefan Gilmore's lockdown. Ball hawk is more like Trayvon Diggs. Marcus or, Peters. Marcus Peters, early career J.C. Jackson. Look, you can turn from a ball hawk into a lockdown. J.C. Jackson sort of did that. You kind of end up being somewhere in between, depending on the rep. But yeah, I I think there's going to be better corners on the board of 14. I think one of Witherspoon or Porter is going to be there. I think Cam Smith is going to be there. I think Deontay Banks is going to be there. Uh, to me, Forbes is more at 46, but yeah, I would I be surprised if they reached on him at 14? No, because his profile is one of a player the Patriots typically would really like. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pull this one up. This this one gets really interesting. Let's say you're Mac Jones. Do you request a trade? This is going to be a problem for them if Mac Jones gets good again. And it's not necessarily just uh, asking for a trade, but – they got a base like next year is the contract year. Essentially, I know he'll have one more and then the fifth year option, but next year is when you actually have that discussion. And maybe he turns around as a great year, and Bill says, "You know what? Like you were great, and Patricia was holding you back, and Bill O'Brien was the answer, and we believe in you now. We want to give you a contract." Does Mac Jones say no? Right? Does he say, "Well, I don't know," because I've been here for you know three years, and one of them was a disaster. And I don't trust that doesn't happen again. So if Mac Jones is good, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. If he's, if he struggles, obviously, if he struggles again, it turns out he's not the guy. Then yeah, you move on from him. No, duh. He doesn't right. need to ask for a trade. They'll ship him out. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens if he's good and just how much the Patriots may have burned that bridge. Because yeah. to use Robert Kraft's words, they experimented with some things last year and they didn't go well. And if I'm Mac Jones, I don't love being the guinea pig for that experiment. This is my career. I only have one shot at this. This is my livelihood. And you decided to try something that was unheard of and almost universally panned. I'd hold that over them at the negotiating table. I really would. So that's a good point. This is like table this one for a year. Maybe we get back to it. I hope we do because it means Patriots are good. But this is going to be an interesting conversation down the road. But but even still, I'd be I'd be upset now, and I'm sure he is upset now. Like, does he? Yeah, have he leverage? can't request a trade right now, though. He doesn't have leverage to ask for a trade, but he still has a right to be like, "This is insane," right? Because I was good my first year, and we made the postseason. And the second year is supposed to you're conti- you're supposed like, yes, he's the fifteenth pick. He was also the fifth quarterback off the board. Right. And I'm not saying Mac was not a, a highly touted prospect. He was projected to go number three. But I did well my first year. Let's build on it. Instead, they tanked it, 
did not give him the benefit of the doubt, clearly, as it looks like they might be floating him in trades. And you, you don't help him at all. You, you basically screw him over. You don't give him anything around him. And then now it's like, oh, well, yeah, I don't know about you, man. And then he plays well, and it's like, oh, okay. Like, no, that's, I, I'd be upset. I, he has no right to ask for a trade now, but he has a right to, you know, to hold it over right. them eventually. He's not going to ask for a trade right now. He can't for a right. number of reasons he can't. But a year from now, it could get very interesting. That's kind of my totally. Point. Yep. All right. Um, we go over this a lot. Do we need to add coverage at linebacker? Add a linebacker, uh, coverage linebacker, rather. Saying it for years, and they haven't done it every year. This <laughs> guy know. in the draft, that guy in the draft. And, and they're know, fine. Look, I, I, I think Mac Wilson and, and Raekwon McMillan can maybe play in that role. They haven't really done that. I'd like to see them do that more. I don't think they need to add a coverage linebacker, especially with how many safeties they play. Like Adrian Phillips is basically their coverage linebacker at this point. Right. Um, that being said, I'd like to add, see them add one of these modern three down athletic linebackers. It'd be nice to see. I don't know if they have to do it, but uh, although the, there were all these good linebacker drafts and we were sure this is the year, this is the year, this is the year. And then didn't take anybody. This year's linebacker draft is like not great. It's really not. This is going to be the year they take the linebacker. Yeah, I know. Definitely. Uh, even my guy, Jelani Tavai, not that he's great in coverage by any means, but he played much better than I ever expected him to in coverage this season. Uh, so he's back. They signed him to the extension last year. I don't know if they add because, like you said, we've been saying it, and they've kind of just put it together and figured it out. So I guess we'll see. But do they need to add one? It wouldn't hurt uh, by any means. Right. Um, all right. Continuing with quarterback talk. Yeah. If somehow they end up with a top 10 pick, do they trade up to number one for Caleb Williams? Nobody's going to trade first. that pick. It doesn't exactly. matter if they want That's, to. Yeah, you can't trade it. He's the best quarterback prospect we've seen since Trevor Lawrence. Before that was Luck. So I, he's going to be outstanding. He's going to be the number one pick. I, Whoever's I guess unless position, you get one of those things like this year where a team with a quarterback has that pick, but it's going to be, what was it? Two first, two seconds, and like a – a high level starter. Is that what the, the Panthers gave up? Yeah. They get that right. It's going to be more than that. Cause Caleb Williams exactly. is a much better player than CJ Stroud. Um, do they trade in the top three, top five, try to get um, a guy like Drake may maybe I, we've got a long way to go before that happens, but right. Um, if At they the end do- of the day though, this team, the way they're currently constituted with O'Brien and the additions they made yeah. and Mac Jones at quarterback, there's no way they're a top 10 picking team next year. They're just if, not. So, they're so, better than yeah, they were I, last year. I was going to say, if they're picking in the top 10, I'll answer the question this way. If they're picking in the top 10 next year, the pick needs to be a quarterback because yes. things did not go well right. uh, with the Mac Jones. Max not the question was emphatically bad. answered. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, whether they can trade up to one, I doubt it. I highly doubt it. But could yeah. they trade up and get a guy like Drake May? I think KJ Jefferson's going to kind of sneak his way into that conversation. Yeah, I could see something like that. Yeah. Um, scouring through these comments. Uh, Yeah. Can Tyquan be the guy, or is he just another Nelson Aguilar? This is another one where, like, it's just so hard to judge guys on last year because it was nobody was put in a position to succeed. You had receivers literally running into each other left and right. Right. I'm going to be interested to see what the usage is with Taekwon. I know we kind of all want him to be that like burner X deep threat, 
I think he's actually more of a uh, a wide receiver. You're going to move him around. You're going to play him in the slot. You're going to play him on the boundary. I think let's let's see what kind of shape he comes into camp in because he needed to put muscle on. He needed to. Uh, he's having too much trouble getting off press. If he did that and he sells his speed, I think there's a chance. But he's the kind of guy you got to use right. And how many of those guys have we seen come through here that they just couldn't? You that they couldn't use right. They couldn't figure it out. So I'm not writing Taekwon off yet, but they they have to have a plan for him. They can't just throw him out there in Nelson Aguilar's old role and say, go figure it out. Like I think he's a guy you got to sort of scheme stuff for. It's it's funny, right? You talk we've talked about sort of what happened last year with Mac Jones versus Zappy. And when Mac was in, and we've talked about the way they sort of called the offense differently, right? And they they simplified yeah. it when Zappy was in there. Taekwon's best game was the Cleveland game with Zappi when they simplified the offense and they were able to use him in Excel. He, he played really well in that game. I think he had two touchdowns. If you can, and I, I'm not that they're going to dumb down the offense, but when the offense made sense, and granted they played a bad defense in Cleveland, Taekwon played well. Otherwise, right. it wasn't that great. So it's tough to judge him off last year. I think he can be much better. Um, it's also going to be interesting too what they continue to do at receiver, whether it's through the draft or whether it's trading for someone. Because if they add another guy to the room, he's not yeah. going to necessarily be the odd man out automatically, but he's going to still have to fight with Parker here and Bourne and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do this year with a crowded room again, really. Yeah. And, and you know, this is a good follow up question right here, and in, in, or follow up point, I should say. It's not really a question. When I talk about usage, somebody says, oh, I yeah. can see Taekwon as more of a Meikle Hardman, you look how Meikle Hardman worked with Juju Smith-Schuster last year, right? You basically mm-hmm. put them both on the same side of the field and between the size and the speed, uh, size of Juju Smith-Schuster, the speed of Meikle Hardman, you kind of force the defense into certain looks. And you're basically able to force defense to pick their poison. This is the kind of thing the Patriots need to be doing if they want to get the most out of Tyquan Thornton. Somebody can, there's another comp in here for him. I, I, I didn't see where it went. Um, the other thing I saw, though, that we missed I think was, somebody uh, compared him to... Chris Hogan, which is actually like not a bad comp. Everybody yeah. thinks, and I know why, everybody thinks Chris Hogan was a slot receiver like Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, or Danny Amendola. He wasn't. He was a, a formationally versatile receiver yeah. who he wasn't an X. No, he's a formationally versatile. I'd put him more like Kendrick Bourne. Uh, like Kendrick Bourne's actually not a bad comp for him. I think Kendrick Bourne's a little more electric after the catch, but um, you know, I think both players are faster than you realize, both very good route runners. Both had an ability to get themselves open down the field. Uh, like, I think Taekwon can be that kind of guy that if you can just get somebody else to draw coverage, whether that's Juju Smith-Schuster, whether it's Jerry Judy, whoever it is, if you can get Taekwon one-on-ones, especially if you get him one-on-ones from the slot, he's going to win. It's when he starts getting doubles and press and shade over the top and things like that. He's not that elite receiver that's going to beat those sorts of things. That's why he didn't go in the first round. Right. Problem is, Patriots don't have that guy that's drawing coverage like that. At least we don't think they do. Like, maybe it's Juju right. Smith-Schuster. You hope it is. Uh, maybe it, they, need it, they need more. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's Mike Kosicki. I don't think it is. Uh, Jerry Judy, to me, would be that guy. Yep. Uh, but that, that to me, is how – I said it for agency week, and I'll keep saying it. Everybody just needs to move down a spot from where they are. If they can get a guy at the top of the depth chart, the depth is outstanding. Yeah. And, and you're going to have these guys, Kendrick Bourne and Tyquan Thornton, getting these, and even Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki, getting these one-on-ones all over the field that they're going to be able to win. But 
you only get that if you have a receiver or pass catcher, I should say, that forces defense to dictate coverage a certain way, and they still don't have that right now. Right. A uh, little Patriots throwback here. Uh, it's a sad story. Was Malcolm Mitchell the wide receiver that could have been? Talking about these Pat Rodgers receivers, mm. he was awesome. He had a great, great Super Bowl against the Falcons. He was yeah. really good that rookie year, and he just – the injury bug got him, and it's too bad. Well, look, the only reason the Patriots had Malcolm Mitchell was because of the injuries. That's why he fell to the fourth round because yeah, his fair. knees weren't in good shape in college. So it's it's one of those things like, man, if he'd stayed healthy, if he was healthy, well, if he was healthy, he probably wouldn't have been a Patriot. Right. So it, I, I feel bad for the guy because he was very talented and also yeah, did a ton in the community. And like he just – he loved being a patriot. Like, he got it. He mm-hmm. got it. Um, unfortunately, he didn't get to like live out his NFL career, and that sucks. But yeah, I just if a whole a huge part of Malcolm Mitchell, like every year in the draft, Evan texts me and goes, "I'm going to compare this wide receiver to Malcolm Mitchell." I'm like, "You can't do that because Malcolm, like the injury thing, is a huge part of Malcolm Mitchell and who he is. Right. If it's not for the injury thing, he's not here. So you can't." Fair point. Have it one way and not the other, I guess. But yes, if, if he had miraculously stayed healthy in New England, it would change a lot. Uh, I don't think yeah. they take Nikhil Harry in 2019. Uh, you know, maybe butterfly maybe, effect. Right. It it really trickles down there quite a bit. Yeah. Um, all right. We've talked about the two positions. So if Witherspoon in four, at 14 and so is JSN, which way are you going? Witherspoon. Yeah, I know. They The first round pick needs to be a guy who's going to be able to play, who's not be able to needs to be a guy who is going to play 80% of the time. And that's right. just sort of an objective number. Like is going to be on the field significantly. He's going to play a significant role. They're not going to play a rookie wide receiver 80% of the time. They're just not going to do it. Witherspoon, yeah. they might. At corner, I think there's a chance that guy becomes a starter, a regular contributor. They are going to put the training re- wheels on any receiver they draft in the first round. So, Look, if they'd play JSN like a starter, if they'd use him as their number one receiver, I'd be more open to it. I just don't see it happening. Uh, so I, 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 I'd I, hope they'd go Devin Witherspoon there. Yeah. All right. It's drama-filled, so I know you're not going to want to really give an answer to it, but I want to talk about this for a second. And it, the comment is, Bill's addicted to pissing off his quarterback. That's kind of a thing, right? It happened in Cleveland with, I believe, was it Kozar, where he was – not sold on, I don't know if it was Kozar, it was someone uh, in Cleveland. Bill didn't want him to be the guy. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen there. Yeah. Then he comes to New England. They signed Drew Bledsoe to like a 10-year massive contract, and he's supposed to be the guy. And he then instead rides the, the hot hand in Brady, and it works out for him, right? He's here with Bill. Brady the whole time and you know he not that he pissed off Belichick the whole or not that he pissed off Brady the entire time here but towards the end and you kind of alluded to this earlier he certainly tried to get under Brady's skin when he cut his hand open on Burkhead's helmet and Belichick said well we're not talking about open heart surgery it turns out Brady was like basically not going to play the game and it finally just it all sort of came together at the end and you know sort of alluding to not a lack of toughness but didn't think it was that big of a deal that he was going to play Maybe that was to shift the media narrative. Who knows? Clearly, it didn't end well with him here. Brady was pissed off, right? And maybe it's a it's a motivation tactic that Bill thinks, you know, you, you don't need to pump up the quarterback full time. You need him to be pissed off and, you know, to play well. But he's done it here with Mac, too, and I don't know if it's working. So, 
What, what do you think of the narrative, I guess? Because this it's clearly a thing that Belichick likes to do. He likes to try and get under this guy's skin. He doesn't want to be a tandem with him. Maybe he does, but he kind of, I don't know. It feels like there's a rift with everyone. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. I, I mean, yeah, there's a history of it. There certainly is. I, yeah. I, I don't need to go back to Kozar. Like, that's in back to Bloodzo and all that. But, I mean, starting in 2017, at the end of the 2017 season, he's needling Brady. Brady goes out. Mm-hmm. He even like the whole year with Cam and and Jared Stidham was weird, and yeah. I I I think that there was probably some animosity between him and Stidham. We never heard about it True. like we do with Brady and Mac because Stidham was never the starter. But that right there, right? I think there was some animosity between him and 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 Stidham. Obviously, animosity between him and Cam at the end there in the summer of twenty twenty one, and now with Mac, he has. Uh, and, and maybe you can say there are spots where he was correct, but I think on the whole, he is needlessly kind of uh, poked the bear when it comes to the quarterback position over the last five, six years here. And yeah. you can't do that in this league. You just can't do it. You know, it's, it's one thing if the, if the quarterback's wrong, but there's very few instances where the quarterback's been wrong. And it, people are going to hear me say that. And they're going to say, well, Mac was insubordinate. Mac was yelling at the coaches. First off, don't use the word insubordinate. It's, it's like a. It sounds so it's long weird and confusing. <laughs> no, I I know what it means, but it sounds weird no, in context. It's like a military word, and it's, it's, it's right. carries weight. Second of all, again, I'm not sure what people wanted Mac to do there. Just kind of say yes and go out and suck and be happy about it. Like it was right. never going to work. And actually, let me. So let me find this. My theory all year, and again, I don't. I think it said more about the situation than it did about Mac when Mac was frustrated, because I think most quarterbacks in that situation would have reacted similarly to Mac Jones. Sure. I believe that. And people said, well, Mac's the, you know, one of the pushbacks, well, Mac's the only one. If it's so bad, why aren't other people voicing their displeasure? Well, they did. David yeah, Andrews did. did at numerous points. I think he did a little more subtly. But I remember saying, you know, a ton of guys spoke off record about it. Uh, Right. Well, so remember you had Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar after the Bills game. But, you know, I I was kind of saying there there really are only two guys who are in a position to do this. It's Mac Jones and David Andrews because they're captains. And I said at the time, I like people like, well, how are Mac Jones teammates feel about him throwing fits on the sidelines? I think he was doing that on their behalf. I think guys were going to him and complaining. And he has to let the coaches know. And then we got this today from Mike Giardi on Twitter, uh, who, by the way, NFL Network, talk about a bad personnel move. NFL Network losing Mike Giardi. Uh, Quote, talk to many people about this. This is about the tensions between Mac and Bill. Talk to many people about this. To a man, those who have seen slash felt this roll their eyes. One source said to me, quote, I don't know what Bill Belichick thought was going to happen. The decisions he made set the table for Max regression for the entire offensive regression. And then he continues. This is him now. The offensive dysfunction was felt on all levels of the offense and by all position groups. There were coaches who knew that this system play calling play design was not up to previous standards set in Foxborough with Josh McDaniels in charge. The players felt it. I, I kind of think Mac, a lot of those outbursts were on behalf of his teammates and maybe even some coaches. I don't think that was just him. Right. So I don't remember why I started on that point, but it's a point I'm glad I made. 
No, I'm with you. It's like, it's, Mac had a right to be upset last year. That's what people kind of, I mean, Giardi just alludes to it. And it's sort of, you know, people are more on Mac's side here than Bill, I think. But it's not like Mac was just throwing out outbursts for no reason. Like, it was a disaster. And he, you know, should he have done it behind closed doors? Maybe. Maybe he tried and nothing worked. We'll never really know, I'm sure. But uh, at the end of the day, yeah, it is sort of a thing that Bill likes to get under these guys' skin. And, yeah. uh yeah, that's that. Um, anything else before we wrap this thing up? Anything you can find? Uh, in the chat this is this is fair. I, I I love my defensive line preview dropping. Hopefully Thursday on ninety eight five thesportshubcom We've had some technical issues with our website lately, but um, Matt uh, uh, Maisie Smith, Kali- uh, from Michigan, Kalijah Cansey from Pitt. When I said before, defensive lines kind of that sneaky uh, where they might go in the first round or early yeah. in the second if they trade down. These athletic three-down defensive tackles. Kalijah Kansi's a guy that, you know, the comp is, to me, is Christian Barmore. He's a little undersized at defensive tackle, but he's so explosive. He's so good at getting after the passer. Everybody wants to compare him to Aaron Donald because he went to Pitt and he tested super well at the combine. And I guess that's, like, the ultimate ceiling, I guess. Uh, but, like, yeah. Barmore's more reasonable comp. But not that that's bad. Christian Barmore's a very good player. Maisie Smith, the interesting comp I've seen for him is Dontari Poe. You know, to put it into Patriots terms, just kind of the type of player. I don't think he'll be the player Vince Wilfork was, but that guy who's like just so big yet so nimble is -hmm. kind of what I'm going for here. Uh, You know, Maisie Smith has some of that, and we know Bill likes those players. So this is like... This is to me, if they're in the second round, oh, they took a defensive tackle. We could all see it, right? These are the guys. Yeah. Um, that's the thing, too. Siak, this is this was my comp for this guy. Siaki Ika, Vince Wilfork. Just a a plug in the middle of the field with quick feet, too. It's like I watched when I was watching this film with Baylor, it just it reminded me so much of Vince. Um, I don't know what your take on him that's is. That's not but. a bad one. I, I go like Vita Vea, Fletcher Cox. I, I don't yeah. think he's He's not as big as Vince was. And that's crazy to True. say because Siaki Ika is 332 pounds. Vince is 350. <laughs> Vince was just ridiculous. Right? Um, I think, you know, Vita Vea is a comp. I really like the Fletcher Cox comp because he that dude doesn't – talking about Ika and I guess Cox as well. Zero quit. Z- yeah. Like he will as a nose tackle when running backs will like cut back around or on screens, he's going out to the perimeter – in making tackles. This is another guy I think Bill's really going to like, Siaki Ika. I'm honestly I'm honestly surprised he's projected as high as he is, and I'm happy about it because normally in the modern NFL, there's a nose tackle. Where are we taking a nose tackle? Like right. Those guys fall even though they're talented because people are like, oh, they don't fit the modern don't game. So I'm kind of – I you know, I'm watching Ika during college football season. I ended up watching a lot of Baylor this year, and I'm like, man, if this guy like falls to the fourth round just because of positional value – total patriot and then we kind of get into the draft process and i see he's being projected like second round oh all right good on the league for recognizing what he can do but yeah yeah i'm a big fan of his he he's probably my favorite defensive tackle this whole draft talking about i I really like him yeah um all right let's close it out with this you want to do a boston sports minute we'll talk about what's going on yeah yeah let's do boston Um, sports minute actually there's a lot going on it's a good good call yeah, and then we'll loop in – I want to loop in uh, anything non-Patriots because I want to ask you about the Masters as well before okay. our Thursday show because we'll already get into it. But 
God, where do we go from here? The the Bruins, I guess. We'll start Bees. The Bruins continue to to play good hockey. Um, they're on pace now, I believe, to break the all time points record. Yeah. Uh, my take, I guess, is that they need to just. Well, I worry about Brad Marchand a little bit, and you know the guy on your 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 employer's airwaves and Mike Felger continues to go at David Pasternak, and I don't understand why. He's the best player on the Bruins besides maybe Olmark right now because Olmark's just the hottest. But Pasternak's the guy. He plays well. And Felger just has this gripe against him, and I can't stand it. The one that guy that worries me a little bit is Brad Marchand because he hasn't been up to snuff like he has in the past. But at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to stop this team is themselves. Every single uh, position, whether it's forward, whether it's defense, whether it's goalie, they're, they're covered at all bases. Jim Montgomery, first year head coach, fine, but he's also gonna he's gonna be the coach of the year. Like, there's nothing really wrong with this team. The only thing that's gonna get in their way is themselves. But what do you think of the Bruins? Yeah, I you know I I, I think they're in really good shape. Uh, I'm kind of where I've been the last uh, last couple of weeks. I just just need a uh, they, they I just need to see the power play a yeah. little bit more, right? Like. Cause it feels like that's always the canary in the coal mine with this team that the power plays the first thing to go, going to the playoffs and then it shuts down. It's been better the last couple of games than it was there in March, but that that's like the last thing for me, you know, the, the top lines humming, Pasternak's playing great. I think the trade deadline acquisitions, cause you always wonder with those guys, how are they going to fit in? I think those guys are all kind of locked in and, and they found their roles. We'll see what happens. If, if Taylor Hall comes back, how they're going to use him. If, um, I'm excited for that. Um, why, why am I blanking on the, uh, if it's uh, Nick Felino comes back, you know, with yeah. how they're going to use him, but they have options there. Got to get the power play going. That's kind of where I'm at with them. If, if the power play yeah. is going, they can beat any, not only can they beat anybody, they can beat anybody handily. Like yeah. I, it could be some quick series if they're scoring on the power play. Cause this is what's honestly killed them. The last couple of weeks is teams play them super aggressively. Because the other teams know the Bruins can't score on the power play, so they, they play them super aggressively, and they're actually able to slow them down because they're sort of playing outside the rules. If they can force teams to either A, play them more conservatively, or B, make them pay on the power play, that's it. Because it's the only way to defend them right now is to just play, I don't want to say dirty, but play super aggressive and then just hunker down on the power play. Right. Celtics. Falling off a little bit but they have that monster game. It was right at the end of our show on Thursday uh, against Milwaukee, right? So Jalen Brown had a sit down again. I know you don't like the drama. I know you don't like the drama, but he has a sit down with Shams and it sounds like he's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit less drama-y than we thought it was with Jalen in Boston, etc. cetera. Um, but what do they play tonight against Philly? So another crucial game at the top of the standings. Uh I don't know how much more I can tee it up for you, but what do you think on the Celtics outlook heading into the playoffs? I really like what I've seen from Jason Tatum the last yeah, couple of weeks, right? And he, this is a point you've made all year, and sorry to cut you off, but just how he hits his stride at the end of the year. And it hasn't been quite there yet, but maybe it's here now. So, go ahead. But I think, too, you started to see that we, – we've talked about, does he really have that killer instinct, or is he too, you know, is he too soft? Maybe does he not have that next level and – you saw when he says, yeah, the late flights, no excuse. I had to play tonight. He comes out. He plays one of the best games of his career against the Bucs. Um, I remember at the very beginning of the year, there were all those interviews about like how bothered he was by losing the finals. And he locked himself in his house. And everybody was saying how different he looked at practice. And 
It's like, yeah. wow, man, that really maybe got under his skin. And then he had the story about him missing the game for Deuce's birthday and took some time yeah, off yeah. in the middle of the year. And that, that kind of went away. And I, I feel like maybe now that it's getting closer and it's getting like real and maybe the fact that people were starting to write him off and write the Celtics off and he <clears> fell out of that MVP race. Yeah. It feels like maybe that switch has gone on again because they need him for all four rounds to be a killer if they're going to win this thing. Cause that's just how it works in the NBA. You need your best player to be the best player on the court. And I think Jalen Brown's very good. Jason Tatum's their best player. He just is yeah. when he's at his best. He's a top five, top three player in the league. If he can get that thing to click and, and just go into the playoffs of that killer instinct, that's the best possible thing that could happen for the Celtics that and Robert Williams staying healthy. Yeah, I agree. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, as far as the MVP thing, tough, tough showing for me. When we were out doing these Boston sportsmen during the end of the Patriots season, I had Jason Tatum and Joe Missoula to win MVP on a future and Missoula to win coach of the year. And it was rolling, riding high the whole time. And then it just completely tailed off at the end for both those guys. It's too bad. And, you know, it's probably going to be Jokic or Embiid or maybe Giannis. But uh, you're right. Maybe Tatum can use that motivation to, you know, get through this 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 stretch and, you know, get the job done in the finals. So, that's Celtics. Now let's do Red Sox. Currently 0-0 against uh, Pittsburgh. Some Jackson Smith and Jigma in the house last night. What do you think of the Red Sox lately? Do you like the new? Uh, do you like the new light show? I saw Bertrand doesn't like it very much. What do you like of the light show? The Red Sox right now look like they're just going to have. It's just going to be shootout after shootout because they don't have the pitching, but they do have the offense. Last night they couldn't get it done. They got it done two days before, whenever it was when they uh, when they won Game Three against Baltimore, but. What do the Red Sox need to do? Because, I mean, Pavetta just gets through the first, finally, no innings or no runs in the first inning, but they don't have the pitching, Alex. They don't. They they absolutely don't. And because high and bloom won't sign guys with, with functioning elbows or bodies that can stay healthy. Right. But so on the light show, I was there Saturday for the walk-off. Okay. And, uh, or was it? Yeah, Saturday. Saturday. So when Duvall hit his home run early – it was still light out. So I don't know if they did the light show or not, but like you couldn't see it, right? Because it was light out. Yeah. When he when he hit the walk-off and they did it, it's awesome. Awesome yeah. to be there. It doesn't look quite as cool on TV, but so we saw it for the walk-off. So I thought that was going to be like their winning thing. I thought it was going to be a thing they did when they won. And now I see they're doing it for every home run. That to me is a little much, especially because there's going to be a time where they're down like 10 1 in a home true. run in like the eighth inning, and it's going to be like sweet Caroline vibes. So <laughs> I like they should do it. Also, the Yankees have a light show that they do for every home run. It's, right. It seems like we're copying them. I would do it at the end of every win. I think it's really cool. It, it's definitely cool when you're in the park because, like, I didn't know it was coming. I thought like the power went out. Or then I'm like, oh, they shut the lights off to celebrate the win because it went, it goes yeah. dark first for a couple of seconds. I was like, what if that ball wasn't gone? Whoa. What if it was off the wall? But I I would just do it for wins. I don't think they need to do it for every home run, but it is cool. All right, fine. It is cool yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk gambling. Let's finish this thing off. Um, we'll take Boston Sports Minute away. We'll go back to Patriots Beat and talk about FanDuel, but also talk about the Masters because we can't give Masters picks. Um, until or we can't give Masters picks on Thursday because the the tournament will already have started. I don't know where you are with golf. If you're more casual, I'm definitely more casual, but I end up watching it every weekend because I end up betting on it. Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy are tied for the favorites on Fanduel right now at plus seven hundred. 
John Brom is third, 9.5 to 1. Then it's Spieth, Cantlay, and Justin Thomas. I have already made some bets on the Masters. I have Brooks Kepka to win it all. Live guy. He's healthy now. Um, he hasn't been playing 72 holes much because they play 54 on the Live Tour, but something tells me a Live guy is going to win it this weekend just because it's just going to add chaos. Um, but any thoughts on the outlook for the Masters? I'll have a couple more picks as well, but I want to I want to start with you. I, I don't love the Live guys because of what you just said. They've been playing a lot of 54-hole golf, not 72, yeah. and I wonder what kind of impact that has. I I took John Rahm. I just uh, – I. I know Scotty's like playing better right now, but we've seen Rom do this where he kind of just like builds up, right? Yeah. And it feels like he's in one of those build up stages again. So I I, I like John Rom. Scotty's not a bad pick too. Obviously, like we know he's rolling right now. Right. I just hope Tiger makes the cut. I want to watch four days of Tiger at the Masters. I want to yep. see him in red on Sunday. Top twenty would be great. Top ten would be awesome. But as always, I'm rooting for Tiger. And I'm rooting against like most of the live guys. Cause and also, so shout out to Augusta for doing two things. One, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, Mike. Mm-hmm. They published the list of the how high they cut all the grass. Did you see yeah. that? Yeah. Which people, why are they doing this? But you know the gambling communities all over, mm-hmm. especially with there's gonna be weather all weekend, which is gonna be another thing that's gonna suck. The yeah. other thing they did, a lot of people speculated that. The the live guys were all going to be paired together. No, 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 no. They are all spread out with yeah. the PGA guys, and some of those relationships are a little contentious. Awesome. Yeah. Great drama. I hope it comes down to a PGA guy versus a live guy at the end, the final pairing. That yeah. will be the dream. But uh, even if it's on Monday or Tuesday with this weather, we'll see. But that's that's my my master's takes. My my final um story slash thought on the masters before we get out of here will zalatoris on fanduel is 44 to 1 you see my hat alex it's a u.s open hat um last year when it was in boston i went to the u.s open on thursday i placed a bet on will zalatoris to win the whole thing i believe it was 25 to 1 he plays all weekend he plays super good golf and he misses a putt on the last putt of the weekend and i fall off my couch in misery because he loses the tournament um, ever since then, I've been addicted to betting on Will Zalatoris to win tournaments. Ever since then, he's also been injured and hasn't played good golf. I don't know if it's going to happen, but there was something about that whole weekend with the Open in Boston. Zalatoris was here playing good golf. I think I'm just going to have to bet him again. I know he's still working on the back injury and everything, but something about Will Z at a Masters. Every major, right. it seems like he's right there at the end, so that might be another pick for me, too. Um, but... Shout out to FanDuel for sponsoring this show. I know we talked about all the baseball stuff. You can go on there and get all the odds boots and everything like that. So go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. You get $200 in bonus bets. Again, FanDuel.com slash Boston. You just got to deposit $10, place a bet with five, and then you get $200 in bonus bets. Alex, thank you for joining me. We did an hour 20 tonight. Quite, yeah, quite a good a big show. show. It felt yes. like it had been a while. I know it had only been the normal gap. It felt like we hadn't done one of these in weeks, so. I know. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday kind of screws us up a little bit because sometimes we do both. But yeah. nonetheless, we will be back on Thursday for Mock Draft 5.0. Um, so make sure to uh, subscribe, make sure to like, make sure to get everything so that you can go uh, come watch the show with us on Thursday where we do another Mock Draft. We're doing them every single Thursday until draft season. So again, read Alex on 985thesportsup.com. Follow him on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. Read my stuff, clnsmedia.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Mike Cadlick. Thank you to FanDuel. Thank you to everybody for joining. 
We will see you on Thursday.